You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. You can see I'm joined by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. If you're following us on YouTube, actually, you can see him there. You can hit the like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. And we're going to rehash really not just an ugly loss, but just an ugly period and what this means for the Washington commanders. They have been eliminated from the postseason now because Green Bay and Detroit both won. If Green Bay and Detroit, would they play next week, Washington can't surpass them no matter what they do against Dallas. So they're out. And the way they played lately, Bram, they shouldn't be in. So how do you process this one today? Not just the loss of the Browns, but all that it means and all that we saw and the Carson Wentz going back to him and all that. How do you process this? So, you know, this is the second, I don't know how I would rank them actually. Um, I might argue that the Giants loss at home was more disappointing than this one today, frankly. Um, because that was really, I know it you know feels like you know a few weeks ago, tips and people forget, but that was the one that was like off of a bye week, show me week, playing the same opponent, and they came off the tie and the Giants had to play. And that one was the one where I went, Oh man, like I can't believe that one got away from them. And there were a lot of reasons. And then today. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you felt pregame, but I felt the vibe was off, like yeah, really off. off, really off pregame. Just, you know, oh, we sit around, we watch these guys really closely and the way that, you know, just how they were just kind of conducting themselves, carrying themselves. I was a little worried today. Um, and if there was ever a day that I, I kind of wish for worse conditions, you know, not that I'll ever complain about 60 degrees on January 1st, but, um, I knew it was going to be problematic because, you know, there was going to be a better condition. Watson's been getting better. Um, the injuries to St. Juice and Curl, I knew would Huge. rear up and hurt them at some point in time. Once Allen got hurt, that was a bad loss. And I'm not making excuses for them. Like, I, I'm not trying to. 0-3-1 down the stretch when you only had to win probably a couple of games along the way, especially ones at home and especially today against the team that was eliminated. You made your bed. You got to sleep in it. That's the way I feel about it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very disappointed, obviously, just like everybody else is. I... I was concerned coming in this week, knowing what the injury situation was. We can talk about Wentz. I think that's a separate conversation, but just yeah. on the whole, to play meaningful December games and see them go this way was was it's it's highly highly disappointing. It, yeah, it is, and you know it's funny going into this game, and I did pick Washington to win, but on the podcast I did, I had some hesitate or reservation um, about this game. Mainly for a couple of reasons. One, I did, I did still thought they were going to win a close game um, because I thought the offense would do much better, and that so was like. that was really really bad. And they yeah. thought the offense would do much better. That was really bad. But I knew the defense would be in some trouble because losing Curl and St. Juice, that's a massive hit to that secondary. You can't understate Curl's importance 
to that secondary and the trickle-down effect. And then St. Juice, St. Juice's departure highlights how little depth they have at that position. Yeah. And that was, we've talked a lot about the offensive line this year and the, the poor depth there. The corner depth was always something that I was deeply concerned about. And yeah. that came back to bite them. And it goes back to, you know, you brought the one Giants game. The first Giants game, they're up 10 to nothing. Then it's 10 to three. And the maybe the uh, the play that turned that game around was a deep one to Slayton that Christian Holmes is there saying Juice is covering him. Maybe it's different. So I, that that injury was, was really big. So going into today, knowing they're not going to play, or even if they were not 100%, I felt like the Browns would be able to do something. And then losing Allen, you knew they were in trouble. But that said, the Browns do not have a good defense. And I thought they'd win because I thought they'd attack them up the middle because they could run there. I thought they'd get some play action throws with Wentz. And it just did not. He didn't go over 100 yards, Bram, until there was like five minutes left in the game. That's yeah. it's just a horrible, horrible offensive performance by them. And it just leads to so many questions going forward about that position. And Ron Rivera said he doesn't know who's going to start next week. What do you, what you know, do you want to get into that one already? Yeah, well, give me a sec, because I just want to kind of okay. like the, the the conversation is going to be dominated by the quarterback decision. And I think it should, you know, because like, like Ron put a lot of eggs in that basket initially. I, you know, I'm obviously because of the result, he's going to be second guessed big time and there's every right to do so. Yeah. Um, I do still stand by that the organization needed to have a, a more um, a bigger evaluation of him. And this was their opportunity to do it. And I like to put it as opportunity because, you know, I, I will hear out anybody that wants to argue they should have just stuck with Heineke down the down the stretch here. And I don't know that the result would have been any different, but I will say this today and it's going to get overlooked. The defense has not played particularly well for a month um, and not like it was earlier in the season. It started in the Atlanta game. There's been some attrition, obviously. Again, that sounds like excuses because you know what? Cleveland had four linebackers on IR. Yeah. So everybody's got injuries. Okay. Everybody does. Theirs hit at their most vulnerable spots at the worst time here at the end of the year. It got taken advantage of. And again, it was these big plays and these breakdowns that ended up killing them at the end of the game against you know, who I know it's been a while, but that guy was an all world thrower not that long ago. Right. And so and he played basically what was his preseason with the Browns and came here and lit them up in the second half. And so I agree that the quarterback and the decisions behind it are the dominant conversation. But I don't want to lose sight of, you know, the defense has not really been this top five defense for a while. Correct. Their run defense. I was citing this on Broadcast today, you know, like they played serious running backs the last, you know, four weeks. Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley twice. That's three and four in, you know, rush yards total. Those are the top, you know, three and four running backs. Christian McCaffrey, since his acquisition, most yards per game. So they've they faced serious run games with serious running backs, and they're giving up 150 yards a game. And frankly, I don't think Chubb got the ball nearly as many times as he probably should have, considering no. how effective he was. So the defense also did not quite hold up its end of the bargain again. And we could talk about a lot of those reasons. And I, that's why I landed at the beginning of the game. Once we learned that St. Hughes and Curl were out, I felt like the offense was going to have to score 27 to 30 right. points to win because I don't think it would be fair to ask the defense to hold Cleveland 10, 17 points and win the way they've won before. The defense isn't performing like that anymore. No. And so that's why it's, you know, very disappointing that this offense that was supposedly coming in with a spark with this quarterback again puts up 10 and and frankly looked every bit, you know, inept at times. It was terrible. And I agree with you on the defense. And it goes back to 
again, I think some of the downfall does coincide with with the health of St. Just and Cam Curl. But again, I think that highlights an area that was not addressed well enough in the offseason. And it goes back in some parts to the William Jackson decision to sign him year and a half or you know two years ago and and i think you know that losing not not having him um develop in this defense really set them back but even beyond jackson yeah, you know and, a you mistake know, signing is a mistake signing right, that's what right. i feel but about even that, but even know? beyond but right but my point is even beyond him there wasn't the depth so no. there you know they were bringing in guys off the you know from teams that were cut yes. that those teams may or may not have kept those guys if they did they'd have been in the practice squad those guys had to play and, you know, Christian Holmes wasn't quite ready to play and maybe he does well down the road. Maybe he's just a special teams guy, which is okay, but they didn't have the depth. So that, and that came up, they came back to bite them. And then the depth at linebacker as well. Yeah. And nobody's roster is complete. Like everybody's got a flaw in a salary cap area. You know, everybody's got a flaw, but you know, there were three units that we flagged and talked about forever, really for months and months and months, cornerback linebacker and offensive line. The offensive line decisions, I think, are squarely on the things that they made. They were kind of of yeah. their, you know, of their own making that they got themselves in the position they had. And then, of course, like everybody else, they had a little bit of bad luck with some injuries to certain people, specifically Roulier and Larson, that really kind of threw everything into a tizzy for them. But still, everything else, we've been talking about this since April and May, where we're going, I don't know about that unit. Well, I think that's of their own making. They acknowledged in the offseason, we need depth at corner. We need depth at linebacker. They never really addressed the depth at linebacker and had an unfortunate injury with Cole Holcomb. But still, they couldn't survive a long period of time without one of the two viable linebackers on their team. And then at corner, like to your point, like at the end of the preseason, when they cut Danny Johnson and they brought in two guys who had very limited or no experience that were on other teams and a couple of them were, and one of them was playing very quickly. It only exacerbated that they had no real depth at this position. Jackson never really particularly panned out. I think they got very fortunate that St. Juice played the way he did, but you saw what happened once he was removed from the lineup due to the ankle injury, they were extraordinarily vulnerable back there. And like, listen, Cam Curl, I think we've now learned in the two games he's missed here at the end of the season and the two he missed at the beginning of the season, he is critical for them Huge. defensively. And so on that front, I would just say they lost what turns out to be a critical piece of their defense and there's going to be there's going to be a vulnerability when he's out. But on the other things, I would just say their roster wasn't complete. It wasn't deep enough. And the hard part sitting here today with them not going to be over 500 again, not going to make the playoffs is these were a couple of things that even they acknowledged in the spring and summer wasn't deep enough. And they didn't seem to answer those questions, you know, by acquiring anybody. And it didn't have to be Roquan Smith, but they clearly needed help and it's hurting them now. And it's, it. listen, this, this is the NFL. The other team is going to take advantage of your weak spots. And Cleveland did today. Yeah. And, you know, San Francisco did last week. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, and you're right, though. No roster is ever fully complete, ever. And do you have a guy that can cover up for sins at the quarterback position? And the answer has been no. No, it has been no. So you can't survive on an offense that is as unproductive as this one has been. And at least when Heineke was in there, they were moving the ball. They didn't move the ball except for one drive today with Carson Wentz. And so I think that is a big problem. So you can cover up sins 
if you have an offense that isn't relying on 21 play drives. And those are, those are kind of hard to come by. But for all the other stuff, they whipped that quarterback. And the, the Wentz thing has not worked out. And Bram, I think what we saw today is, because going into this stretch, before Wentz played today, you would say, and, and I know that they would look at this as a, let's see how he does. It, they didn't go to him just for this reason, but the side effect was now you can see if you have the guy moving forward. Well, I think after today, the answer is yeah. no. You can't, you can't bring him back at that salary, certainly. And I think it'd be very difficult to sell him as someone who can do something for you because we haven't seen it. In his yeah. last four or five starts, like what, five starts, it just hasn't gone well. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot said and written about the decision to acquire him. Um, and a lot of comparisons are going to be made to how he's ended the last couple seasons, specifically in Indianapolis. And um, and really, I thought, well, I, I was, I don't know, like it, it was it was so interesting because he when he came in, you know, obviously in an adverse situation at San Francisco where they just kind of threw him out there and he knew he was going to, have to throw the ball a million times and he just got chucked in there. He actually looked really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what allowed Rivera to, you know, assure himself that this is the Correct. right thing to do, because I think you and I both know that they've been looking for an avenue to do this mm -hmm. for a few weeks now. And so they they made this like London Fletcher put it put it this way. And he was like, that decision to put him in was made before the game, which is in, in kind of I don't want to speak for him, but kind of in his his uh, his thinking as an ex player, I think was partially like that's kind of not what you should do. <laughs> like you should go with the flow, let the season dictate what happens. I kind of I've been, you know, on the side going, I do think that in the end, they do need to get a full evaluation of this player. They put a lot of eggs in this basket. They went out on a limb to acquire him. They went on and on and on about how he's wanted here. He's not a short-term fix for them. They gave up real assets for him. They gave him real money. Um, and we knew on the other side, there is an interesting leverage point with his contract, whether if it doesn't work out, you can get out of it or even better. If it does, you can restructure and bring them back. Well, you know, this decision doesn't look very good right now. It looks like it blew up in their face. And I agree with you. I think this is going to be an extraordinary hard sell for Rivera to turn around and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us another year with him at a restructured rate. So I, I do feel like we are heading into another offseason where they're shopping for one for a quarterback and probably a veteran, because once again, I look at their roster, especially the defensive line, and I go, the time to like make a move is now, you know, with this group, you can't just bring someone to, to up like I don't I don't think that that's the answer here. So they're going to be shopping again and. You know, I don't know what the price point's going to be for who they land on again. And then secondarily, we've learned this the last two off seasons. They tried to acquire Matthew Stafford. The Rams came in at the last minute and overwhelmed Detroit with the offer. So they didn't get him. And then they tried to get Russell Wilson and, you know, that didn't happen. And people are probably, you know, happy that didn't happen based on his year. But still, they did try and that didn't work out. And if you recall, like we talked about this a lot, like they were publicly basically announcing, we just want a quarterback. We just want a quarterback. And as you sit here today, you kind of feel we're willing to take any veteran available just to get the veteran. And, you know, that probably is not the right mindset. You know, like you've got to get the right person, not just any person in here. And I know there was a lot of wishful thinking. And I had it this week, too. After what I saw at San Francisco, I felt like, you know what, like, give this guy another chance. Like, 
Like they might not be able to do better than him on the open market, you know, in the offseason. It's not that simple. Look what the Colts did. Like they got rid of him. It blew up in their face too. It didn't get any better. Like look at what their season did in, and now Washington's back in this spot where they're going to have to do a lot of long, hard thinking about what is the next move at the position. Yeah. And I know going into today, I wasn't sure what it would look like. I felt like the potential was there for more explosive plays in part because again, he can spread the ball around, use the entire field, et cetera. And he did look comfortable. And I know, you know, there were blitzes early on by San Francisco. There are also times where they were giving him underneath stuff and he was taking it. So some of that stuff was a design of the 49ers defense. Some of it was his comfort level where there several plays where you saw that. And I know they definitely felt like that as well. So I understand because they weren't producing enough offensively i understand but i think they kind of really fell hard on the he sounds like he know like that they felt he knew more what he was doing and that he did have that game and then he goes out there and he looked a lot like he did early in the year yeah so and really I, and, the the opening quarter looked like the first couple of weeks of training camp yeah. when we were going what's going on here when we were watching practices and he's He's like air mailing screen passes and throwing one in the dirt on a screen, you know, like little simple passes that were just way off. And then, of course, the interceptions occur. And I, frankly, after the second one, I'll be honest with you, I was sitting in a break when we were in a break and I was looking at Julie in London going, I think they might have to pull him now. Like when it was three, nothing like now. And then they had that long drive and they led and I, you know, then I could pull him after that. And then. You know, nothing got much better. And then the defense kind of fell apart, gave up a number of big plays and a number of big drives. Couldn't stop Chubb, couldn't stop Watson, um, missed a couple of tackles, gave up touchdowns that shouldn't have happened, like the first Amari Cooper one. And all of a sudden the score gets out of hand on you and they're not capable of, uh, and they haven't been capable this entire, with the exception of the first two weeks of the season, they have been incapable of scoring quickly when they need to, like just right. incapable of it. And I keep coming back to, and this is why, like, I, I understand why they they switched, you know, from Heineke. They want to get an evaluation on the guy that they were in the first place. Um, and the the reality was, as much as I loved Heineke and everybody loves his plucky nature and all that stuff, they weren't scoring a lot of points. They're in the bottom third and third down conversion. They were really bad in the red zone, especially in the last five, six weeks. They just weren't scoring enough points. And, you know, as Rivera put it, we're trying to get a spark and it, did not lead to a spark. So no, now they're not. left, you know, it was, listen, this was risky. He put him in a high leverage situation and you know, this is, this is the nightmare scenario. They're playing a team, not even in their conference teams already eliminated from the playoffs. You're at home. You have to win the game. Everyone's going to assume you're going to win the game. And when you don't and you lose going away and you look bad doing it, it, it brings up so many questions about why did this happen? And so he's got a lot of questions Rivera to answer this week. He does. And I will tell you like there's stuff that we need to get into in the off season because it's going to come sooner than I thought it was going to be coming a few weeks ago, but yeah, about the direction of the franchise overall, because I think there's going to be, a, there should be a lot of questions about all of that from the, from, you know, organizational structure. And we got the sale of the team, you know, organizational structure, staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's questions that, you know, that they all deserve to be, you know, that there, you should have questions about everything, but with this one too. And the funny thing is Bram on Friday, and I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, but on Friday, 
being out of practice, watching them run the red zone drill. And during the red zone drill, that's what they do on Friday. It's just throwing against air. And you have quarterback, receiver running routes, hit them, whatever, you know, what are the routes they want to work on that week, et cetera. What was, what struck me was I just, I was watching, it's at one end of the field. I was watching something over here on defense because I wanted to check out like certain guys who are like, where's Chase Young was how, you know, certain guys who need to be, who you weren't sure about their health. So you're looking for them. Then I look down there and I see, a ball being thrown behind Logan Thomas and the next throw a ball to Terry McLaurin where it's in the back of the, of the, of the end zone. And he doesn't even jump because it's way over his head. Like you, when you see that, it's like, Oh no, but that's who he, that's who Wentz is. And I still thought, well, this Browns defense hasn't been very good and they give up a lot on the run and they give up a lot of yards per pass attempt on play action. It fits right into what they want to do. And so I thought they'd still, even with that, like, well, that's who Wentz is, but can you get that? But the thing that kills, that's going to kill um, this team is, you know, look at Brian Robinson was running the ball well, and you have three receivers who are really good and you can't score. And that's just, you know, if I'm those receivers, I'm banging score. my head, I'm banging my the head on the line. wall I mean, they, thinking they, like, what the hell is going on? I just that I've been I I can't figure this out. I mean, they just they can't score. And I do think the root of a lot of it goes back to the offensive line. But there's an everything problem here. You know, like situationally, I do question some of the calls like on a fourth and one. They ran a pitch to their backup running back, you know, like that failed. You know, the power back. Yeah. Against a team that can't run that does not defend well up the middle. Up the middle. Right. Like or the week before they had a fourth and one and. You know, I know, I guess Robinson was dinged up, but they went fourth and fourth and one at the goal line with Gibson. It fails. So it's you're going to get second guessed. They had a fourth and one with Heineke on a sneak. It wasn't like the typical people get behind him, push him. He's also not a big guy. You're up against the San Francisco D line that's been blowing you up, mm-hmm. you know, left and right. Like, so there's there's a lot there's a lot of situational moments that you go that, that I think are, you know, left to be desired, too. So I like again, I don't want to throw just like I didn't want to throw everything on Heineke when they made the change. I want to throw everything on Wentz. But that was not a good performance. Um, the ball was all over the place. It did It'll look like bad. that first week of training camp when we were all going like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, why is it so inaccurate right now? And and they just blew it off like it's camp. And then the first couple of weeks rolled around and he was pretty good. And so I was hoping after what I saw at San Francisco, and I'm sure Rivera was too, that he was going to get that. And I'll tell you what, like you saw Friday, I was out there Thursday. I didn't have a red flag after watching practice. Like I get to watch more practice than you guys. And I didn't walk out of there thinking I was going to see that really honestly. Yeah. And I I wasn't expecting, I was not just despite what I said, it was, it was a, it was a, it was more about, oh yeah, well, this is who he is because he does miss it. And then I will say after the McLaurin miss, I told you about that one over his head. Well, I saw in the next few throws him making more of an exaggerated effort to, or maybe not, maybe slowing down his delivery a little bit and make, making more of an effort to fall through on his throws. And the next three or four throws were really good, and they ended on that. So, you know, it wasn't like there was like every pass, but I did see those, and you note those, but I did not expect what I saw today. So, wow. for Sunday, does it matter to you who starts a quarterback? Um, they're out of it. I mean, I have one guy. Yeah, one, I, I don't know. I, I want to hear what Rivera says tomorrow. I really don't know what to say about it. Like, does it you know, matter I'll, I'm Dallas sure a lot of people want to see Sam Howell because they're out of it. And, um, I don't think Wentz can start again. I think they need to either go with Heineke or Howell. And, you know, I, I'll hear out the case that like put Howell out there, give him a shot. I mean, I do, I do get a little concerned, like, 
You know, Dallas is a great pass rush front. Clearly, pass protection remains a problem. And now all of a sudden, this game really matters to the Cowboys. Like, it didn't look like it was going to a few weeks ago. And now it does. And I'm sure the NFL is going to line up the schedule so that the Eagles do not, you know, like both sides don't know that they that they you know they're going to both think they have to win. They're either going to play at the same time or they're going to line it up so that um so that there's some intrigue left, which means Dallas is I'm convinced of will be playing here thinking they can win the division if the Giants knock the Eagles off and so that changes the dynamic of it and makes me feel a little different about throwing him out there like throwing him to the wolves right. is what it feels like a little bit, but um I'll let Rivera make the decision, but I'm sure a lot of people, you know, the fans would you know, at this point, why not get a look at him? I'd like to see him because it's he's the only guy under contract for next year that you think he's going to be here because Heineke's not under contract. There's no guarantee he's going to be back. Yeah. And Wentz, like I said, we, you know, it, it based on today and based not just today, based on his body of work this year, it'd be really hard to bring him back. And so, but we know Howell's on the contract, but I'm with you that I think it'd be awfully. Would it be unfair to him to put him out there, or do you point. just say, "Let's go, yeah. go see what you do"? And it could be a case of you you start Heineke and you play Howell in the second half, depending maybe. on how. Yeah, you know. maybe you know. I think like this is not a conversation for this week. It's a conversation for after the season, and I don't know whether Heineke will address it or not. But you know, his hearing out, watching this happen, and then probably hearing from him about how he feels about decisions that were made about you know his place or job and all that stuff will be interesting to hear what he has to oh, say because yeah. you know the reality is like he is a free agent he's beloved by the fan base here you know but the staff did make a decision that i'm sure he didn't agree with and um you know and i i understand the reasoning behind all of it but you know it's his career to think about and you know he's got to want to be somewhere to resign with them and i do think there will be interested parties outside of this area for him probably as a primary backup you know, probably for some decent, you know, backup money. So I would like to hear from him about how he kind of feels about the whole thing, but probably not this week. Yeah. And yes. And I I think if I'm him, it may just be that, you know, you know, you've hit your ceiling here and um, they're going to always look at him as a high end backup. And I, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I think most people in the NFL would view him that way. So this team is going to have to upgrade period. And then, then really it is, what do they think about Sam Howell? Because are you going to, if depending what they do to get another starter, what do you invest in the guy behind him? And again, is Howell that kind of guy? And and if so, then you don't need to pay Heineke whatever seven to ten million dollars it would take if that's what it takes. So, you know, but I, I I just think for Sunday it'll be interesting what they do because again, one guy is under contract and you know that guy will be here. Um, and does that play into it, or do you yeah. or do you look at it and say behind this line? Does he have a chance to do something? And I don't know, but maybe with that mobility, he does. So, you know, and um, for all the Hallwellians out there, you know, you may get your wish, <laughs> but I don't would, I'm not going to, if he doesn't have a good game, I would not, I mean, we don't know yet. We just, yeah, I'm, I'm I don't talking know. about and, it because, because I'm talking about him because he's the only one in a contract. But I, I also wonder, do you, if I'm Rivera, how much do you play into the fact that Dallas does need this game? And so you don't want to just go that way um, and just, you know, do you go to Heineke just be, for that? I just, I think it would be hard to go back to Wentz after today in well, the finale. John, like they're at home. He threw three passes and the fans were chanting for Heineke. Yeah. Like, I don't think they could put Wentz back out there mm-hmm. again. Um, and 
and so now they have to make a choice and and I don't know what his choice is going to be. None of them are good anymore no, because none of them are good because of what it's happened. It's not going to be a good game. No, it's been a it, this is I'm surprised. I mean, the bottom line really is I'm surprised. Like if you told me a month ago that they weren't going to win another game, which is where yeah, it's heading where, yeah. and not make the playoffs, I would not have believed you. No, like, I, I would not have believed that. Like just looking at the schedule, way they were playing, how gutty they were. Um, and, you know, I keep looking around. I see all these skill position guys and I go, one of these days they're going to they're going to pop off on somebody and score 30 points like it's just it's bound to happen with these skill position players and it just never did no. you know it just not since week two like it just it just never did one exception they ran the ball 50 times against philadelphia and ended up scoring over 30 points but they didn't do it chucking it all over the place to all these skill position guys they did it by a ground attack that they were beyond consistent about every other game has been a struggle to score it doesn't matter who the quarterback is and it's been very frustrating really to watch because well, I look at them and I know what the strength of their team is and it's it's not manifesting on Sundays. No, it's not. And I do I think that's gonna lead to again more questions in the offseason about what they're what play calling, et cetera, because is it all just on the quarterbacks? And and can you can you say that? Can you provide an are you gonna be able to give an honest evaluation of all that went wrong and went what went into it? Um, because you do have talented guys at receiver. And how is it? How is it that they weren't able to get the ball more um, in space to create more big plays, which is what you need? But it, and and you know, I do think there are quarterback issues that you can't. We we saw that, so that's going to be a big. That's going to be a big, big topic, of course. And just, but again, not just the quarterback, but how are you using them? And yep. and is it right? And because when you have, listen, Bram, this was this to me, and again, we'll probably get into this next week too, but. A highly, highly disappointing season because for the what you just said, they're seven, five, and one. They're looking, they're in good shape. And I would have thought at that point, like it's there's nine wins on the table because you're going to split, yes. you're going to at worst split with the Giants. And then you have Cleveland at home and Dallas may not need that game. So you're thinking nine wins. Yes. And you, that's what to me would be so disappointing for this one is that the schedule was made for them to win more than seven games. I agree. It, it, I it mean, definitely you know, was. And that's why this I is mean, a huge. I agree. I mean, the Giants ended up being better than I thought they were going to be. So that was a couple of them that you kind of chalk up. But Houston is what we thought they were going to be. Atlanta's not in the playoffs. Like, you know, Jacksonville's better, but they caught them early. Detroit's better, but they caught them early. Like everything read like they were going to have a better record than than what they're going to end up with. And they are staring down seven wins for the third straight season. And this was the year I didn't expect that. No. And, and again, so again, all about quarterback and for, listen, here's the other part, Bram is, you know, Taylor Heineke guided them to a five, three and one record. That's pretty damn good. And so if you're going to, if I'm going to sit there and say that is, was it play calling all that, they still manufactured five wins with, with Heineke, a guy that they view as a high end backup. It, it, that's a pretty good mark. So something was going right to get to that point. And will it, how much better would it be with a better quarterback? I I don't know. And I think for everybody listening out there, it sounds like a broken record because a couple of years ago, you pin, you know, people pin their hopes on this guy. Then it's, then it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and it's Alex Smith coming back. And then it's Dwayne Haskins coming in and it's this guy coming in and that guy. And, and it's always seems to end up the same way. And, and, that's a an unfortunate thing for this fan base, and it's yeah. I mean, the, the I hard agree. part too is it, it comes on a day where they celebrate the Hogs. You have Joe Gibbs yeah. there, all these legends, and then next week you're they're going to honor Sonny Jurgensen. And I'll be honest, like I don't know why they waited till the last game to do that. Um, 
but you know, that's whatever, but it's just, you got all this going on and it's just disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I keep waiting for our turn. Things change. I've had one of the worst records in the NFL, like eight years running. And clearly this coach GM turned something on because their roster isn't much different than it was a year ago. They're now talking about resigning Daniel Jones. So they figured something out. You know, the Bengals a couple of years ago got the number one overall pick, got Joe Burrow. They went to the Super Bowl two years later and are going to be back in the playoffs and could uh, could potentially get back there again. Like things could change fast. Yeah, they can. Like it could change really fast. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it can, you know. And so I remain optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. But this last few games, specifically the Giants and today, were very deflating for yep. sure. I think I think the I think the I think the second Giants game took an awful lot out of everybody. I think it took a lot of steam out of that organization, out of the players, because that was one where I think they thought for sure that they were going to win. And when they didn't, I just think it. I think it, I did too. Yeah, well, so did I. So did I. I'm like, how can Surprised. you? How, how do you not? I but, couldn't believe I went home that yeah. night and they lost. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's you know, this is another one, and but I'm not I'm not shocked by today. And again, we're going to get into everything else in the offseason. So let's cut it off there, Bram. I think I think we've quarterbacked out enough. And there's a lot of things to dissect over the next few months. So anyway, thanks to Bram for joining me. Thank you for listening. I will be back on Tuesday night, probably without Bram, but I'm going to we'll do a therapy Tuesday session, I believe. And I'll answer your questions, do a quick mailbag, and maybe talk through some of the issues that are there that you guys want answers to that maybe I can help provide. So 7.30, Tuesday night, live stream on YouTube. I will talk to you next time.